Come, 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 
This is a Voice in the Wilderness podcast channel. This is going to be episode number three. The topic of which is going to be how modern society has lost touch with living God's truth and his spirit as an integral part of their lives. But first, the prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, Amen. All that I am, all that I have, all that I do shall be consecrated to the service, honor, and glory, and exaltation of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and the Heavenly Kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. So, this is going to be a generalized episode where I'm going to talk about the concept of how we are all products of modernism. And as I've stated previously, you know, modernism didn't start in the 60s. It didn't start in the 30s. It didn't start in the late 1800s. Modernism started with the Protestant Revolt. Or I should say, um, for those... For those of you who may not be... Um, understand what the term modernism means it just may basically means the heirs of going against God's truth and to anybody who's ever listened to my original podcast I talk about how God's truth not only plays out in the spiritual life but it plays out in your day-to-day existence in other words, it's reality. And to illustrate my point, 
you can you could be a 19 year old male and claim you're a hippopotamus that doesn't make you a hippopotamus to put it in a religious realm you could be a protestant and claim that you're a christian that doesn't make you a christian on a more practical level if i had a house and i sat in my garage and people are hey what are you doing in your garage oh i'm a car i'm a car man this is make me a car But the natural, and, and this, is, this has been up until I want to say at least, well, I, I'm just going to say it's been ramped up over the past 10 or 15 years to the point where things that are happening today would, would have been thought unthinkable 30 years ago. And if I might be so bold, they probably would have been thought unthinkable 20 years ago. Um, but what I'll say is this, is that um, the Protestant revolt was going against not only God's truth, but his, his natural order on earth. And it was such a complete break with God's natural order that it was just downhill from there. Now what I mean by this is, is that if you read, if you're a history buff and you read about the peasants in, say, the 13th or the 12th centuries, you will know that your average peasant was illiterate. They could not read and they could not write. Yet I would say, just given by what I've read about church history, that your average 13th century peasant is well, uh, I'm sorry, was a heck of a lot more devout and pious than the most fervent set of a contest today. And I'm not including myself out of this either. We are products of the time we live in. But they, without being able to read and write, they not only were able to recognize God's order in the natural world, but they also could understand, not necessarily without being able to read or write, recognize His truth. And that is because the Spirit of God... Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not some... Oh, a sentimentalist who says, oh, we should go back to the 13th century, brah. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that the average citizenry, not just the peasants, the townkeepers, 
Oh, I'm sorry, the shopkeepers, your townspeople, your tradesmen. They all could recognize God's truth and his hand in the natural order of things. And what I'm, uh, I got kind of got sidetracked. My point is, is that no, it wasn't all sunshine and roses in that era, in the Middle Ages. You had venereal disease, you had prostitutes, you had robbers, you had thieves, you had murderers, you had soldiers of fortune, mercenaries. And, you know, I mean, it had its share of reprobates. But even the reprobates, and by the way, once again, this is not a broad brush. I'm not saying every, every guy was like this. But certain, certain types recognized that at the end of the day, if they did not repent for what they were doing, they were going to face God in judgment. And God and Satan were not abstractions to these people. Now, I know a lot of people are proud of their four-year degree from their diplo local diploma mill. But there's been a lot of revisionist history since the Protestant Revolt. Especially from the quote-unquote Enlightenment thinkers. Where they said that people in the Middle Ages were superstitious. Why did they say this? Because they were atheists. Practically, morally, and spiritually. They were atheists. God was not in their life. So the fact that a hardened criminal could understand implicitly, without being told, that he was living a sinful life and that he was going to have to answer for his sins and, and uh, falls, you know, they chalked it up to superstition. Because to them, God's an abstraction. God and Satan are not real. Heaven and hell are not real. They're abstractions. They're, they're nice story to tell the ignorant people so that the ignorant people will tell the company line. And there are a lot of... A lot of people, like I said, have their college diplomas. And they think that that makes them educated people. I've worked on three different college campuses and I can assure you unless your diploma is from a hard science like math, biology, or whatever, you know, a hard science, you're, you're every bit as ignorant as the most uneducated person living in the ghetto or the backwoods. And that's due to the fact that society has, has been just ripped apart. God's truth has been denied. God's truth, if it hasn't been denied, is, is uh, obfuscated and hidden. And yet the people who claim that they're Christians... I don't understand why society's in the state it's in. When you deny God's truth, when you deny God, His hand in nature, in His natural order, you're going to get a situation like this eventually. 
Um, but oh, I, I was going to mention even the hard sciences are are being attacked by the satanic Masonic forces because they're trying to push the line that five plus uh, I'm sorry two plus two equals five now you know before you laugh and say oh it'll never happen it'll never happen need I remind you in the early 2000s when the when the uh trial balloon of gay marriage went up it was shot down with extreme prejudice this was in the early 2000s I think in I want to say 2009 or 2008 the Overfelt decision came down basically saying the gays could have they could get married and have the same legal privileges as a heterosexual couple and the satanic masonists were working overtime but it it did it did in 2008 or two take a decision by the supreme court to say hey you states that won't allow gay marriage go pound sand we don't care they can get married and by 2016 and and the, the whole concept of homosexuality, you know, the gay lobby likes to talk about, oh, we used to be oppressed, we used to get beaten up. Now, I'm not suggesting that we should beat up people that, you know, we find distasteful. I'm trying to be a good Catholic, I'm trying to be charitable. So, no. No, I'm not suggesting this. But what I am saying is, the reason that they were getting beaten up, and this, this, you know, was the 60s and back, and sometimes in the 70s and 80s, was because people thought it was abhorrent. And some of the less uh, restraint types took it out on gay people. Once again, I'm not condoning that. But what I'm saying is, by um, and I, I said this on one uh, one of my podcasts on my uh, original channel, uh, Saint Longinus's baptism, that um, in 1970, if you had suggested that somehow being gay was genetics and not just a perversion. People, if they didn't give you a blank look, they 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 probably would have either spit in your face or slugged you for suggesting such a ridiculous idea. Yet in the 1990s, people got inoculated into the fact, well, they, they there's a gauging, there's a gauging. There is no scientific evidence proving of a gauging. None. And the Vatican II sect, on their section on homosexuality, they say it's a personality disorder. And I know because I read it because I was part of the Vatican II sect. So they're suggesting that 
it's, it's a mental disorder. In other words, it's psychological. It's not a sin, per se. And when I read that, I was like, really? You're going to suggest this? It's a sin. It's a vice. There, you know, I, I know a lot of you are too young to know about this. Before, like, I want to say the 90s, most major cities had a vice unit that would crack down on prostitution, homosexuality, child prof, uh, trafficking, and, and the like. Because society hadn't been so degraded that they didn't recognize homosexuality for what it is. It's, it's a perversion. And a lot of perversions nowadays, and once again, I'm not excluding myself out of this, you know, they just, um, they don't consider it uh, a perversion. They just, you know, well, that's my particular tink. We call it a kink. But at the end of the day, it's a perversion. Now, I'm not trying to rant and ramble about sexual or... Uh, sexual picadellos or drug use or yeah. but what I am saying is is that our modern day society is the way it is because it has been separated from God's truth in the spiritual realm and God's truth in the natural realm and too many people just want to sit by and let it slide nobody's willing to take a stand and by the way, I'm not just including the last three generations. I'm talking about our parents, our grandparents, going back at least, at least for five or six generations. You know, um, the Protestants, to their credit, fought tooth and nail against the theory of evolution. Now it's gone from being a theory to an unprovable fact, just like the gay gene. And I know some of you 300 IQ takers out there are going to say, Oh, the slippery slope fallacy, the slippery slope fallacy. Well, you could call it a fallacy all you want to. It's a provable fact if you have knowledge of history. If you have a deeper understanding than either what you've been propagandized into believing or your own conception of reality which you choose to believe over God's truth. It is very, it is very real. And that's part of why our society is screwed up as it is. It's because we've denied God's reality. We've taken God's reality and His truth and we said, nah, God, nah, nah, Jesus, nah, 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 nah. You, your church, nah, nah, nah. I'm going to decide what reality is. I'm going to decide what my, what my um, rea uh, truth is. And it all stems back from the Protestant revolt. Which, by the way, 
until I'm able to get a, a decent chuck of podcast out on this channel, if you have not, I, I highly encourage you, check my original podcast. I have over 140 episodes. I cover this stuff ad nauseum. It's not what I call it. But... When God and the devil, heaven and hell, become distractions to you, when the God's physical, his natural truth, like there are two genders or two sexes, and um, you should be married to one person for the rest of your life and if, if you there there there's no separating from that um you know when when you are the own arbiter of your own reality it's going to necessarily lead to what we've got now it's just necessarily going to lead now the reason i brought up the the uh, high middle ages you know citizenry I, I use the I use the uh, peasants as an example because a lot of pe- uh, a lot of Protestants believe that everybody could read and write and that it was the evil Catholic Church that was keeping people from reading no, that, that is an absolute lie from the pit of hell. To be charitable though, to be charitable though, I will say that some people carry this um, error not out of necessarily malicious intent, but out of ignorance. But once again, it goes back to if you want to know the real truth then you'll let nothing stand in your way of getting to that objective truth. And part of the reason our society... Let me back up just a little bit. So things like uh, having more than two sexes, um, things that used to be considered unnatural, now they're just opinions. There's just opinion. Well, that's your opinion, brah. That's just your opinion. And the reason I'm bringing this up is, is when there is no objective truth, then air and vice rule the day. And by the way, once again, I'm not omitting myself from this conversation. Before I got serious about practicing the true faith, I was every bit, and I'm calling myself this, a degenerate scumbag. I was every bit of it. And I was more than happy to make excuses for my degenerate and wretched behavior. Because, you know, when you're living in sin, let's be honest, you're enjoying it. If sin wasn't enjoyable, you would stop doing it. You know? Ever ever wonder why heroin addicts 
take it till they OD? Have you under, uh, uh, ever wondered why Coke uh, users sometimes die of a man, um, an uncut dose of Coke? Have you ever wondered why alcoholics die of liver failure? Because they like it. And once again, I'm not throwing stones. I am literally talking from experience. But reality is objective. God's, and if, let me put to you as simply as I can. If you cannot acknowledge Jesus Christ as the author of time and space, the ruler, since he made this world, of the worlds, uh, I'm sorry, of the world, and wrote the rules governing it, if you are unwilling to admit his spiritual truth, you know, or I'm sorry, if you're, if you're unwilling to, to, yeah, to acknowledge his, his spiritual truth, then, you know, you can vote in whoever you want to. You can um, rant and rave on, on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. It's not going to change anything. Because if you can't acknowledge the ultimate truth, then you are literally a blind man in, in a darkened room without the aid of a cane. You're bumping and stumbling into stuff. And God's reality is objective. The theory of gravity is God's law. What comes up must go down. There are four directions on earth. North, south, east, and west. The sun comes up on the east and sets in the west, unless you're living in Asia where the opposite occurs. These are all truths. But because the Masonic Satanists want to invert that truth, and it brings me to a quote from C.K. Chesterton, who was a Catholic prior to Vatican II. He was actually an apologist who doubled as a journalist back in the 1920s in England. He said, if you don't believe in God, you'll believe in anything. That's been my experience. Before, before I became a Protestant, before I became a Vatican II, um, I'm not going to claim I've led an adventurous life because quite frankly, most people would be bored by it. But I would say I've led a very interesting life and met very many interesting people. But you would have out-and-out atheists. Oh, God doesn't exist. God, who believed in Bigfoot? Who believed in UFOs? Now, those are things that if, if a person wants to believe in Bigfoot, that is literally an opinion because Bigfoot, you know... He, he has not been proven without shadow. UFOs have not been proven beyond a shadow of a doubt. But these 
these atheists who don't even want to acknowledge that God is the author of earth, time, and space. He has a spiritual realm and he has a te- uh, an earthly realm. And he governs both. But they'll, they'll believe in stuff like fairies, leprechauns, the most laughable stuff. And by the way, I thought that they were laughable when, when I was out and out pagan. Not that I had any better conception of God. I didn't. It was His grace that got me to where I'm at now. His grace and His mother's graces who got me here. I can't take credit for anything. It's all Lord Jesus and His blessed mother. And while we're on the subject, a lot of people, a lot of people will call you a fanatic if you say something like that. And there's, there's, there's a lot of quote-unquote progressives who will call you a fanatic if you even acknowledge God at all. And these same quote-unquote progressives literally treat their, uh, their uh, political beliefs like a literal religion. It has its own dogma. And um, it has its own rituals. It has its belief systems. And heaven forbid you be a member of the progressive church and step out of their orthodoxy. A friend of mine was asking me, he was like, I don't understand why um, progressives call people reactionaries. Now, I tried to explain to him this concept because they treat their politics like a religion to to the word reactionary to them would mean the same thing to a true Catholic that the word heretic would mean. In other words, they're outside the bounds of decent, polite society. Or at least their their belief systems are wrong. It just depends on the person. And he, unfortunately, I think my, my answer to him was too simple and too pat. And that's another thing about modern day society. Everything's got to be complicated. Everything has got to be complicated. Everything. You know, there are no simple answers for anything. And that goes along with the uh, idiot who coined the phrase, Oh, uh, common sense is the metaphysics of idiots, brah. No, it isn't. It's your natural reason. You know, that is, that is why we don't call house cats tigers. Because... Even the most uneducated person realizes there's a huge difference between a tabby cat and a freaking tiger or leopard. You don't need a PhD to figure this out. But we make everything so much more epic, so much more complicated than it has to be. 
Why? Well, I know why. Because to acknowledge that there is one true God, one true religion, and that that one true God governs the earth would mean instead of us being the masters of our own destiny, we would have to put them our, ourselves in His hands. And that's something that we don't want to do. So we make up complicated and quite frankly nonsensical theories about things that are very simple. And in case I have to um, make this point, once you become a true Catholic, a pre-Vatican II Catholic, you will find a lot of things on earth are much simpler than you that you've been led to believe, that you've been taught to believe. Because all of this is conditioning. You've been conditioned to think this way. You have been trained to think this way. You know, if something is simple and straightforward, that's as alien to you as the theory of relativity would be for me. Now that's something that's actually complicated. You actually need to be a scientist to figure it out. But the fact that there are two sexes should be plain as the nose on anyone's face. But no, you know, everything, you know, we, we and, and here's the thing. There are actual grifters, and I'm calling them, well, it's a mix. I'm sorry, that was a broad brush. It's a mix. There are some true believers in this nonsense, and there are actual grifters who make a living by propounding these ridiculous theories and trying to convince gullible people that, yes, this, this, this is the truth, this is reality. And, by the way, I apologize for the broad brush because this is human beings in general. There are plenty of honest Protestants who listen to half-baked preachers. Once again, I'm talking as a former Protestant, but they're honest and sincere. They don't know better. And then there are actual, and by the way, I'm talking about, well, let me make a distinction. There are some honest and sincere preachers. One of my foster dads was a Baptist minister with a congregation between 10 and 15 people. But he took what he was doing very seriously and he was trying to practice his belief as um, an honest and sincere Christian. But there are literal grifters that pretend to be ministers. And they preach a false, well, I mean, Protestantism in and of itself is a false gospel, but they try to make a buck off of their honest and sincere followers. They're trying to make a buck off of them. And the same thing goes with the Vatican II sect. Um, quite frankly, because I have a deeper, a deeper relationship with the Vatican II sect, because I was in it for 11 years, 
the average, I'm saying the average, uh, guy in the pew in Vatican II, they know that something's wrong. But they're caught up in the narrative that, oh, it's more complicated than it appears. Or you need to be a theologian to know what a hair, uh, to be, to, to, to see, to understand what you see with your own two eyes. How that, how you can't call that a heresy. That you aren't qualified to call a heresy a heresy. And the people I blame the most are the Vatican II apologists. Guys like Michael Voris, um, or as one podcaster calls him, Michelle Voris, um, Taylor Marshall, Michael E. Jones, um, the ex no, I'm not, I'm going to be charitable, uh, Jimmy Aiken, but Jimmy Aiken has a special talent for grifting on the innocent and yet still having a self-righteous attitude about anybody who doesn't tow his company line. And by the way, I'm speaking as a, as a former Vatican II sec member who got kicked off of his website, um, Catholic Answers. I think it's CatholicAnswers.com. I got kicked off of it. And I was told I was being more Catholic than the Pope. Just, just for trying to practice what I'd been taught. But anyway, and it's not just them. It's the neo-track drifters as well. Now, I am thoroughly convinced that your big name, apologists, understand full well that they're peddling garbage. And that's another thing, too, is if you get in an online debate with a Vatican II person, They'll say, well, what are your credentials, brah? What are your credentials? And I, you know, when I used to engage in this idiocy, I, I just tell them, I have the same qualifications as your apologist. Jimmy Aiken's no theologian. Michael Voris is not a theologian. Um, uh, T.K. Marshall's not a theologian. A lot of these guys aren't theologians. So, you know, I'm not doing anything differently than what they're doing, except I'm not trying to make a buck off people. And before people say, well, you've got a donation button on your websites. I do. But as far as I know, I'm not asking, because some websites ask for a monthly fee. I don't do that. If you go back to my original podcast, I'm going to put it in the show notes, until I get a nice uh, back catalog on here. I, I say in one of my podcast introductions that eventually I was going to ask for donations. Now there's a difference between a donation and a subscription. And I... 
Let me put it to you this way. I'm not too proud to accept money from people who think what I'm doing is a good thing. And I never am. I'm, I'm, I'm never, you know, I'm, no, 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 no. If you want to, you know, help me get more materials to educate myself with, no, 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 I, I can't accept that. I'm not a monk. I'm not a religious. I did not take the vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. Well, all Catholics are called the obedience. And all Catholics are called the chastity to whatever state they're called in. Um, but... I'm, you know, I, 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 my attitude is if somebody wants to bless me, that's God's divine providence, and I'm not going to say no to it. So, we're almost 40 minutes into this. What is my bottom line? My bottom line is, is that, you know, this is what makes me laugh too, because some of the, more, um, I want to try to be charitable here, but some of the more romantic neo-trad kids and the more romantic Sedvacantis kids think that, oh, well, if we went to a monarchy, if we went back to 13th century Europe, everything would be peachy keen. No, it wouldn't. Things were peachy king in the 1300s because that's the way God wanted it to be. It had nothing to do with the inherent goodness of the people inhabiting it. And by the way, that's an error too. Any, any virtue that you may have as well, while your faults are inbred, but... Whether you choose to take the grace to overcome them is up to you. But your, your, your inherent virtues, gifts, that's all been given to you by God and His Blessed Mother. You had nothing to do with it. And I said in my, my original podcast that if people... You could take the most hardcore set of accountants and transplant him to the 13th century. 1300s and he would be as alien to that population as if you took somebody from the 1300s and transplanted them here we are born in the time and place um, that we live in for a reason we're here for a purpose and so I guess what the message of this podcast is is we should try to follow the example of John the Baptist. I must decrease so that he must increase. And he was talking about his cousin, Lord Jesus. Because he knew. He was prepping. He was prepping the roads that Jesus was going to travel. He was not the Messiah himself. He was the Messiah's messenger. So... If I were going to say anything else on this topic, I would say we're not living in the reality that we want it to be. We're living in God's reality 
And God does not conform to us. We must conform to God. If you keep insisting that, you know, you're only going to follow what you think is true, subjective truth, and that, you know, you're going to be the sole arbiter of your destiny, that's not a good road to be on. And I hope and pray that you repent of that. One last thing before I close this out. I wanted to talk about objective truth and subjective truth. Once again, a lot of this stuff I've already covered in, in my original podcast. Objective truth means it's unchangeable. In other words, it is an unchangeable truth that if I take a ball and hold it up as high as I can and I drop it, that ball is going to fall to the floor. Now, if it's rubber, it'll bounce. If it's other material, it'll just, but it'll fall. That is an objective truth. And no amount of theorizing and, and you know, propaganda is going to change that truth. Subjective truth is the air of, what's it called? Um, what is it called? Um. It had a fancy title back in like the late 2000s. Um, off the top of my head, I'm, I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about. Subjective truth is, is your truth is your truth and everyone else's truth is their truth. Your reality is your reality. Everybody else's reality is their reality. That's subjectivism. It's not objectivism. Because an objective truth cannot be denied. It cannot be denied. A subjective truth, though, because it's just opinion, can be denied. So... If I say something like, well, there's only two sexes. Oh, brah, man. Come on, man. That's, that's just your opinion, brah. That's just your opinion. That's subjective because it changes. And I think at last count, there are like seven to eight billion human beings on the planet. So according to subjectivism, there are literally seven to eight billion different realities and truths in the world. There is no such thing as subjective truth. And that's something the satanic masons have been working on for at least 500 years, if not before then. Because once you can immor a person from God's uh, objective truth, once you can immor yourself, uh, more, uh, I'm sorry, on more people from God's natural law, then the, if you're the puppet master, it makes people that much easier to control and influence. Now, for you younger types, when I was coming up in the 70s, we had a fairy tale called the Pied Piper of Hamlin. And so the Pied Piper of Hamlin, he... Uh, this town was having a rat, pro uh, rat problem. 
And the citizenry promised to pay him a certain amount if he would get rid of the rats. And there are two versions of the story. One version is, is that they, they reneged on their deal. So he played a tune. Because he was so good on the flute that he got all the rats to leave the city. So in one version, he... Uh, they stiffed him, so he played his, his flute to take out all the children out of the city as punishment. The second version is, is that he was secretly an evil SOB, and after the townspeople paid him to get the rats out, he went ahead and played the flute to, to kidnap their kids. And that's what the satanic um, Masonic um, masterminds are. They're the Pied Piper of Hamlin. They've been playing the tune. And people are now dancing to it. To the point where they can't even recognize a simple truth when it's presented to them. In a straightforward, objective way. Now... I know in my introduction I said I was going to try to keep um, the rants under, uh, under control. I've got to entitle this um, despite, uh, you know, I am going to try to keep them to a minimum, but I got to entitle this a rant because I got really impassioned. Now, uh, I think I didn't get too out of line. I didn't get ranty, ranty. But I was impassioned. So I'm going to call this a rant. Anyway, given the nature of modern society, if you disagree with me, but you gave me 50 minutes of your time, I thank and bless you. Even if you disagree with me. Whatever your reason might be. I don't care. If you gave me 50 minutes of your time and you at least listen to what I have to say, thank you and God bless you. And I mean that. Take it for what it's worth. Um, I care about you as much as a flawed, sinful, failed human being can care about his fellow human being. I do pray for you, and I would like to see as many people get to heaven as absolutely possible. And there was something else. Oh, I thank you, Lord Jesus, Mother Mary. I hope and pray that you got something out of this. I hope and pray that you got something out of this. So in closing, thank you for listening. Have a good day. God bless you. Bye-bye.